We invite you to open your Bibles if you have one or if there's one in front of you to Psalm 3. We continue this morning in our Summer in the Psalms. And the prayer that we have before us today is a prayer that you pray when you're in trouble. It's a prayer that you pray when you're desperate, a prayer you pray when you're in a crisis. And the heart of this prayer, the heart of Psalm 3 is summarized in its title. And if you're looking at Psalm 3 in front of you, you'll see this title This is the heart of the prayer, save me, oh my God. You ever prayed a prayer like that? I know I have. You prayed one yet today? (laughs) Save me, oh my God. This week and next, we will be looking at Psalms 3 and 4. Psalm 3 today is a prayer that David prayed in the morning. It's a morning prayer. And next week, Psalm 4, a prayer that David prays just before he goes to sleep, an evening prayer. But before we go any further into our psalm for today, I want to take us on a quick detour here and explain what the word Selah means. We just heard it. Christiana read it. It's in Psalm 3. You'll see it in Psalm 4. We'll see it quite often throughout the psalms. What does the word Selah mean? And I know you came to church this morning just desperate to hear someone explain an obscure Hebrew word. So here's your chance. As best as we can tell, there's some disagreement about this, but the best guess is it was an instruction to the congregation and an instruction to the musicians who were leading the congregation to pause at that moment. There would be a musical interlude and there would be a chance for the congregation to respond to what they had just prayed, what they just had presented to them. We do this quite often when we send someone a birthday card. We go to the Hallmark store, we pick out a card that someone has written before us that applies to the situation, and then we take out a pen and we put our own heart into the card so that when our friend or relative opens that card a few days later, it's got our heart put into it. So Selah is that. It's an invitation for the congregation and the musicians to put their heart into it. Uh, Pause, reflect, think, respond. We do this sometimes here in our worship. We're doing it this morning a little bit already. There's words that were presented to us and we're responding. It's an ancient form of worship. Selah, that's what Selah means. And we see it this week in Psalm 3 and next week in Psalm 4. These psalms that are back to back. So these two psalms that we have before us are put together for a reason. They're presented to us for a reason. And let me just emphasize this again and remind all of this, remind all of us about this again there presented to us to teach us how to pray. The Psalms are given to us to teach us about God, Revelation, and they're given to us to invite us to respond to God, response. The Psalms are here this morning to teach us how to pray, and not just how to pray, but to give us a way to pray. The Psalms give us a way to pray when we're happy. The Psalms give us a way to pray when we're weeping. The Psalms give us a way to pray when we're rejoicing before God, when we're furious with God. And this morning's Psalm gives us a way to pray when we're facing a crisis. And that's how the Psalmist begins here in the introduction. Save me, O my God. A Psalm of David when he fled from Absalom, his son. So let's start there. Let's start in the place where David starts. 
which is with an unsolvable problem. Verses one and two, David prays, O Lord, how many are my foes. Many are rising against me. Notice that word, many. Many are saying of my soul, there is no salvation for him in God. David's problem was unsolvable. But it was not only that. David's unsolvable problem was also quite complicated. And to help us appreciate the complexity of David's unsolvable problem, let me point out the four layers of the problem that David was facing. And the first layer has to do with his fault. This problem was David's fault. We read in 2 Samuel 11 that David had failed majorly and miserably against God by laying with Bathsheba in his complicity in the murder of Bathsheba's husband Uriah and in his duplicity in seeking to cover it up. He had sinned majorly. Now, if you know the story, you know that Nathan the prophet confronts David. To David's credit, he repents of his sin. He names his sin. He owns his sin. He writes Psalm 51. And yet there are consequences for his sin. 2 Samuel 12, 10, God says this to David about some of the consequences of his sin. God says, now therefore, the sword shall never depart from your house, David because you have despised me and have taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your wife. Thus says the Lord, David, behold, I will raise up evil against you out of your own house. So fast forward three chapters then to 2 Samuel 15, and that comes to pass. David's own son Absalom seeks to take the throne from David, David flees from Absalom. David flees Jerusalem. David writes Psalm 3. And in the back of his mind, David knows that it was all his fault. It also had to do with his family. Second layer of complexity here of this problem. With his very own son. The problem literally hit close to home for David. Third, it involved his friends. His nation, his people, all of his relationships that he had spent years building were now all crumbling. But there's one more uh, layer to this problem, and it was that it was rocking his faith. We see that in verse 2. Many are saying of my soul, there is no salvation for him in God. In other words, David is hearing this refrain in his ears. David, your whole life... Your safety, your security, your leadership is all built on a lie. There is no salvation for you in God. So this was David's unsolvable problem in Psalm 3. It was his fault. It had to do with his family. It involved his friends, and it was rocking his faith. So if that's David's problem in Psalm 3, then how can we pray Psalm 3 this morning? I want to address that for a moment here. And to answer that, I want to sound again like a broken record from last week, which is this. Don't get hung up on the specifics of the Psalms. 
Don't get hung up on the specific problem facing the specific writer of a specific problem. Because obviously the problem facing David is quite different from the problem that faces you or that faces me. When David writes this psalm, he has many armies against him. I'm guessing that most of us in this room will not often deal with armies lined up against us. David's family and his whole nation are falling apart because of his sin. I'm guessing when we sin and trespass against the Lord, the consequence of our sin does not result in our nation falling apart. We could be tempted to read this psalm and read about David's specific problem and think, well, I'm not the king of Israel. I don't have a son named Absalom seeking to steal the... Maybe you have a son named Absalom, but most of you probably don't. Seeking to steal the throne from me. So how how can this psalm be useful to me? Again, don't get hung up on the specific problem of the specific psalmist because if, if you do that, if we do that as we read the psalms, they will all go over our heads. Approach it this way. The psalmist was facing an unsolvable problem. We face those two. The psalmist had made some pretty big mistakes, and some of those pretty big mistakes had led to pretty big problems in his life. We make some pretty big mistakes too. The psalmist had a dysfunctional family. We all have those too. The psalmist was having trouble with his friends. We have trouble with ours too. See where I'm going here. Yes, the specifics are different, but we can all start Psalm 3 in the same place. David starts Psalm 3 with our own unsolvable problems. And we move from there then to an unchanging truth. Look with me at verse 3. But you, O Lord, are a shield about me, my glory and the lifter of my head. If you have that psalm open in front of you. Let's read Psalm 3, verse 3 out loud together. Just that one verse together. But you, O Lord, are a shield about me, my glory and the lifter of my head. What a verse. (laughs) If you get nothing else from church this morning, get that verse. Plaster it in your mind as you face your own problems and fears and adversities. The preacher in me sees like a Three-week series in this verse alone. What a promise of God. You, O Lord, are a shield about me. God is a shield wrapped around you at all times, in all directions. That's the promise of this psalm. If I can reach ahead for a moment in the Psalm 139 that we'll preach on in the summer of 2034. (laughs) David writes this in Psalm 139. God, you hem me in behind and before you lay your hand upon me. God is a shield about you, around you. So we can link this then to the peace we see David have in verse 6. You can jump ahead. In verse 6, David says, I'm not afraid, even though armies are set against me all around me or all about me, depending on the version you're Using How can David not be afraid when there's enemies and opposition coming at him from all sides? Because God is his shield on all sides. Second, God is revealed as my glory. It's amazing. Remember who's writing this psalm? The king of Israel. Typically a pretty glorious position, revered, feared, respected when there's not an insurrection mounted against him. And what do you know? Sometimes... 
God can redeem a crisis. Sometimes God can redeem a shaking to show us where our glory truly lies. And David was reminded in this crisis, yes, I'm the king of Israel, but at the prospect of losing it all, I'm reminded that my glory is God. Third, God is revealed here as the lifter of my head. Praise God. God is the lifter of your head this morning. Again, you may have come in here this morning having had a great week or a terrible week. So you may have come in here this morning with your head down for whatever reason, whatever difficulty is, is facing you. Maybe your head came down this morning in shame. Maybe your head is down this morning in exhaustion. And what wonderful news from Psalm 3 that God our Father does not look at us and say, young man or young woman, lift your head up, pick yourself up, get yourself in shape. God our Father this morning greets you the moment you wake up, whatever you're facing, and with the hand of his grace under your chin, he is the lifter of your head. The longer we stare at a problem, the larger that problem becomes in our eyes. You notice that? Have you experienced this in your own life? And the longer we stare at a problem, the more hypnotized we can become by it. Have you noticed that in your own life? The longer we stare at a problem, the more monstrous it becomes in our eyes. And so this is why we need the Lord. It's why we need God's word. And it's how God's spirit works in us. Because what he does is he teaches us this two-step pattern that we see here in Psalm 3. This two-step pattern we see often throughout the Psalms. Step one, look at your problem. Step two, look to the Lord. Repeat as necessary. Hundreds of times a day or an hour if you need to. That's what David does here. It's the pattern we learn in the scriptures. It's a very hard pattern, very hard habit for us to learn. That's why God is the lifter of our heads. Verse 1, David looks at his problem. How many are my foes? That's the first step. He assesses. He's realistic. How many are my foes? The next step, verse 3, David looks to the Lord, but you, O Lord. But you, O Lord. So on the one hand, David is realistic enough to know he's got an unsolvable problem. But on the other hand, he's been in God's word enough to remember an unchanging truth. And so because of that, David now prays an unfiltered prayer. Verse 4, David says, I cried aloud to the Lord, and he answered me from his holy hill. I cried aloud to the Lord, and he answered me. So before we get to God's answer, what God says to David, let's look at what David prayed. He says, I cried aloud to the Lord. So what did he say? Verse 7 actually tells us what David cried aloud to the Lord. Here's David's unfiltered prayer. Verse 7, arise, O Lord, save me, O my God, for you strike all my enemies on the cheek. You break the teeth of the wicked. That's an unfiltered prayer, isn't it? Here's how the New Living Translation puts it. I think it gets closer to David's original unfiltered intent. Arise, O Lord, rescue me, O my God. Slap all my enemies in the face. Shatter the teeth 
of the wicked. Don't you want to pray like that? Don't you want to pray unfiltered prayers like that? Go for it. The Psalms give us permission to pray like this. Praise God for beautiful, formal, short, gentle prayers. We pray those too. Those are in the Psalms too. But the Psalms also give us permission as God's people to pray unfiltered like this. God, slap my enemies in the face. Break their teeth. I was thinking as I was reflecting on this, you're going to laugh, but I, it's true, about the old Monty Python movie, Monty Python and the Holy Grail. <laughs> this classic scene where they come to face their terrible enemy, the great killer rabbit. You know this scene? I'm going to get in trouble for this, but they finally pray, and the prayer is, oh, Lord, bless this thy holy hand grenade, (laughs) that with it thou mayst blow thine enemies to tiny bits in thy mercy. (laughs) So David's praying. Lord, blow mine enemies to tiny bits in thy mercy, of course. Now, already you might be thinking, but Jamie, who are my enemies specifically? Who am I praying this, this audacious prayer against? And to that, I'd say again, again, don't get too specific. Remember last week, Ephesians 6, we do not battle against flesh and blood but against the spiritual forces of of wickedness. So let me just propose two ways this prayer can be prayed by us. And the first is to pray it against our enemy, the devil. Here's what 1 Peter 5.8 says about the devil. Your adversary, that's all of us, your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. You may have heard the old joke, is it, Really paranoia if they are really all out to get you. You heard that? You have an enemy, all right. I have an enemy, all right, and it's the devil. So we can pray this prayer of Psalm 3 against the devil. God, slap him in the face. God, break his teeth. Second way we can pray this is against the fears and the anxieties and the attack that the devil sends our way. We can pray to God, God, you see all these things that are after me. God, I know that you are with me in my thought life. I know you're with me in my emotional and my psychological life. You have access to all of these realms of who I am, God. So God, I know you see these things that are after me. So God, would you destroy them? I know you are a shield about me. So destroy these things that are after me, seeking to steal my sleep, seeking to steal my joy, seeking to... Steal my marriage. God, destroy these things. When you can't sleep at night because of a problem, you're actually being assaulted by that problem in that moment. It's an assault on you. When you can't enjoy being with your children because of an anxiety, you're being attacked by that anxiety at that moment. It's assaulting you. When you can't break free of that addiction... You're being assaulted by that addiction when you can't break free of it. It's an assault upon you. And so we can pray against those things. God, slap them in the face. Break their teeth. I cried aloud to the Lord, and he answered me from his holy hill. God hears our unfiltered prayers, 
and God answers our unfiltered prayers. And he answers them, we see here, with an unshakable peace. God answers David here, and he answers you and me with an unshakable peace. First, he answers it in the form of sleep. Verses five and six. I lay down and slept. I woke again, for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of many thousands of people who have set themselves against me all around. So with all the danger that's swirling around David, the enemies that are after him, David was able to lie down and sleep. And so through this psalm then, we learn that sleep is not only God's gift to us, sleep is actually God's nightly answer to us. Because you might think, God never speaks to me. You might think, God never answers my prayers. And Psalm 3 teaches us, well, yes, he does. (laughs) God speaks to you, and God answers your prayers every time you fall asleep. Even for that wonderful five-minute nap. (laughs) That's one of the ways God speaks to you. Because what he's saying to you while you sleep is, I got you. I'm sustaining you. I'm sustaining the whole world. Every breath that you breathe while you sleep, every breath that anybody breathes in and out while they sleep is not actually just an automatic breath that our body just breathes in and out on its own. Sleep, even the breathing we breathe in sleep is God's answer to us, saying, I sustain you. God keeps his eyes open so you can close yours. I was thinking about an example of this is like a mother with a newborn baby or in Catherine and, and my sake, up to two and a half year old uh, toddlers who don't sleep through the night. Remember, our kids never slept through the night till they were two and a half. So there was six or eight years there in a row where Catherine never once got a full night of sleep. The mother is awake Nursing, singing, bopping, rocking, changing, you know the drill. The mother is awake, why? So the baby can sleep. And that's how it works with our father. He is awake so we can sleep. God answers our cry here, we see, answers us in the form of sleep. Ultimately though, God answers our cry in the form of salvation. Think about this, the enemies of David, every single one of David's enemies represented for him a a very big problem. And what his enemies had done was mock his faith. We looked at this a a little while ago, verse two, his enemies had said, there's no salvation for him in God. They mocked his faith, there's no salvation for you. And now verse eight, our final verse answers that resoundingly saying, actually, salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessing be on your people. David knew that the Lord was his salvation. And David was pointing ahead then to the one who would be the perfect answer of the prayer of Psalm 3. David was looking to and David was pointing to the one who would fulfill what was written about him in this psalm we have in front of us today. 
Jesus not only is the salvation that we read about in verse 8, but he is also the deliverance we read about and the rescue we read about and the sustaining we read about and the blessing that we read about. Jesus is all of those things. So Psalm 3 is not just some sort of generic promise of a generic kind of sleepiness for God's people. Psalm 3 is more specific than that. Psalm 3 is a specific promise of a specific kind of peace and rescue and security that comes from Christ. God the Father answers the cries of David and he answers the cries of all of his children, you and me, who like David are too helpless to help themselves, who are too weak to save themselves, and who through their own sin have brought evil upon themselves. And God the Father answers the cries of us, his helpless, weak people, by sending his son Jesus to take it all upon himself on the cross. Reading this psalm about God answering me from his holy hill, it's on the cross, on a holy hill, God the Father ultimately answers this prayer and every single other one of our prayers. And he answers it not just by giving us peace, not just by providing peace, God the Father answers this prayer resoundingly in his son, Jesus Christ, by making peace. Colossians 1, 19 and 20 says, for in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell in Jesus. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven. Now catch this, making peace by the blood of his cross. So because of Jesus and because of the cross and because on the cross Jesus made peace, we can respond to our enemy, the devil, when we wake up in the morning and he rubs our face in our problems, some of them maybe of our own making, some of them maybe having to do with our family or with our friends, and he rubs our face in those problems and he says, there's no salvation for you in God. And we can respond to the lie of our enemy and the attack of our accuser because of the cross, because on the cross Jesus made peace. And we can say, actually, verse 8, salvation for me belongs to the Lord. His blessing is on his people. Jesus fulfilled this psalm when he slept in the stern of the boat in the middle of the storm. And for all who are in Christ, Jesus now lives inside your stern as well. Deep inside the stern of your soul resides Christ. Whatever storm you're in, Christ is there. And now, because he has ascended and sits upon his throne, Christ no longer sleeps. He intercedes for you in that storm. He's in the stern interceding for you. And his spirit is groaning for you. And God the Father is singing over you. And Jesus also fulfilled this psalm that night in the Garden of Gethsemane when he couldn't sleep. So when you can't sleep, 
When you face that attack or that fear or that depression or that anxiety or that newborn baby in the middle of the night, your Savior says, I know how it feels. Jesus is awake when you're awake and he's awake when you're asleep. Praise God. Jesus is the answer to the prayer of this psalm. And he's more than that. He is the fulfillment of the peace and of the rescue promised in this psalm. And on the cross, hear me, Jesus slapped our enemy in the face. And on the cross, Jesus broke our enemy's teeth once for all. Jesus is our glory. He is our shield all around us. And he is the lifter of our heads. Would you pray with me? Let's ask for God's help. Be thou our vision, O Lord of our heart. Not be all else to us, save that thou art. Thou our best thought by day or by night, waking or sleeping. Thy presence our light. And now if you're comfortable just to receive God's peace afresh, would you put your hands out like this to receive a a gift of God by his Holy Spirit? I pray this blessing, this Aaronic blessing from number six over us all. May the Lord bless us and keep us. The Lord make his face shine upon us and be gracious unto us. Lord, would you lift up the light of your countenance upon us and give us your peace. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen.